0: Tell of all his wondrous acts, let's do that as we stand together and sing. as we are standing, we're going to affirm our faith together in our God who we know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's say together and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And Margaret's gonna come and lead us in prayer. Thanks, Margaret. So
1: let us pray. We come before you, our loving Father in heaven. How great is your name. How wonderful are the works of your hands. How rich is your love and mercy. As today is Father's Day, we pray for fathers in our community. We thank you for them, Lord, for their many strengths and gifts. We thank you for the vitality they can bring into families and for the loving care they can give us. We pray for those who may be grieving a father or a father figure and for those who never experienced a healthy relationship with their dad. Comfort them today, Lord, and may they enjoy the wonder of knowing you, our Heavenly Father. We'll now pray for our mission partners, Marsden Park. Lord, we thank you for the work of Mark Collins and those who work and worship at Life Church in Marsden Park. We give thanks for the many people benefiting from their membership course. As plans for a much needed new church building move forward, we pray that the necessary approvals come quickly. We pray for the effective outreach amongst the large population of Hindus, that people who speak different Indian languages may share the hope of Jesus in their mother tongue. We give you thanks for the playtime group which restarted in April for growing connections in this ministry and ask that many people who don't know Jesus will turn to him. And now for our church, St Matthews. Lord, we ask for your protection and guidance in the ministry of kids, youth and mini mats here at St Matthews. We thank you for Stuart Jensen, Jamie Post, Trish Appleby and Tracy Scott and those who work with them. We thank you for their love and care for the children. We ask that you continually refresh them with enthusiasm and energy, so they can joyfully and faithfully model what a personal relationship with you looks like. We ask that you would open the hearts of the youth and children, so they'd know they're loved by the God who created them and sustains the whole universe and that they come to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We'll pause now and take some time to quietly bring before the Lord people we know who are struggling and in need of prayer. Lord of all, let us rest in your promise that we will never be forsaken. We are all forgiven and saved because of your death and resurrection. Let us live out our thankfulness for that each day. And we bring these prayers before you in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. amen.
2: Hi. Uh, we hope you feel welcome at our service today, it's really nice to have you with us and um, we're just thrilled that you've decided to come along, especially if it's your first time with us, a big welcome to you. Now I just need to ask you a favour and that is if you could fill out one of these Connect Cards, they're in the pews in front of you, if you grab one of them you can either, you can scan the code and fill it out right now, or you can take it home with you, but we would love to hear from you. Um, more so that we can welcome you into St. Matt's and into our congregation, but also that we can just know that you've been here. This is also a way for our regulars to get in touch with us. So listen, buckle in, because the back half of September is going to be action-packed. In September, for our 8am, 10am and 5pm congregations, we're having the old dinners for eight back. I don't know if you remember those. We have restyled um, restyled them and we're calling them meals at St. Matt's now because we don't believe you need eight people to have a meal together. So we just want, don't wanna put any restrictions on it. So here's the plan. On the weekend of the 16th to the 18th of September, we're hoping there will be people who wanna have others from the congregation over for a Friday, or a Saturday night dinner, or a Sunday lunch, so that's up to you. So we are gonna have sign ups after each service where you can sign up for these dinners of eight. So how it's gonna work is you can sign up that you wanna be hosting, or that you wanna be a guest. Um, You can put any kind of other uh, requirements that you want in there, and then we'll let you know the details a week or so before, either where you are a guest at, or who's gonna be at your house if you wanted to be a host, and also what you'd like to bring along, um, all the requirements that needed, we'll let you know from our side. Sign-ups after church. We'll also like to let you know that on Monday, the 19th of September, so we've got the 16th, 17th, 18th dinners, the 19th of September, we're hosting the next edition of our onboard course. Now this is for people that are new or for those who have not yet done the onboard course to find out more about our church, just what we're on about. And specifically, we wanna focus on how to move from attending one of our services to being a contributing member of our church community. Monday night, 19th 19th of September. I'm so excited about this new announcement, oh, this next announcement because for the first time in a few years we'll be able to host our Jazz Church again, live at St. Matthews. Our 10am, 5pm and 6.30pm services will have a distinctly African vibe as we celebrate with lively music. We're also looking for a community choir, so if you'd like to join in the singing, will you please let David know or use this online clinic card again to let us know your interest? Um, all you need to do to be a part of it is obviously be able to hold a bit of a note but also you will probably need to be available for two Thursday night rehearsals. More details to follow once you've signed up. And finally remember as part of this African um, vibe that we're having and this jazz festival we're going to be able to have a marketplace in the courtyard where you can get food. So for these services please feel free to invite friends and family to join us. This is going to be on the 25th of September the 25th, put it in your diary, and we're looking forward to great music and great time of fellowship.
0: And if you would like to sign up for the meals at St. Matt's, John Wood will have the clipboard after the service. Is that right, John? We'll make sure you have the clipboard after the service. So come on out and um, enjoy some fellowship with morning tea, but also you can sign up for a meal and uh, we'll make sure that happens. And uh, we're now gonna stop and sing and we've got our collection song, How Firm a Foundation You People of God. So let's get to our feet. And for those who give on the plate, now's the opportunity to do that. It's about the series that we're going through we finished our confronting christianity series last week and uh, it was a stimulating confronting uh, and i understand very helpful time for people to think through some of the difficult topics that christians have been confronted with in today's age we're doing a gear shift uh, for the next five six weeks and i thought it'd be good to have something that uh, had a different more uplifting theme and so we're doing what we called stories of grace and we've picked out numbers of stories of people in the Bible that are remarkable stories of God's grace at work in their life. Now, to complement that, uh, we've also got stories of hope and grace from people here at St Matthews. And uh, today we've got a video from one of our night church young guys, uh, Evan Thorpe, who's been on quite a journey. And uh, let's sit back and have a listen to that. Then we've got the Bible reading, and then Scott's going to bring us Uh, the first story of Grace, which is actually on Father's Day, the story of Abraham. Let's have a listen to Evan's story first.
3: God doesn't just fill the gaps. He, like, completely paves over them. He gets his cement truck and he just, like, creates a new floor. And he's, yeah, what a man. I'm Evan Thorpe. Um, I'm in year 12. I've been coming to St. Matt's since I was years old, so I've been here for 14 years. Loved every second. I have a mum named Fred, Manly Weather Watch, go follow her. I have my brother Hamish and my sister Andy and it's just the four of us living in Manly my whole life, so it's always been sick. Um, So my mum was Christian and she, I don't know if it's easy to just bring your kids or if she actually liked it, but anyway we came to Kids Church each week. We liked it, we liked the songs, all our friends were here as well so it was always really fun. Growing up, yeah, my faith wasn't really much of my own. We were like told to come and brought along and we had a blast, but um, and yeah, so we came and I never disliked it. Like it was always a good time for me. I didn't really see it as anything like serious, like a faith thing till like, I grew up, but we just kept coming. And then when I got into year six, I started at youth and that was always really fun because I had friends and whatever and faith kept becoming a bit more real. Yeah, the older I got and the more I heard, there was like just more yeah the more I wanted to know really it was exciting to hear about this like Lord in a time and in a life where you know things were kind of hectic everything was kind of insane and uncertain and then you hear that like God pulled you know promised Abraham these things that seemed so impossible and it all came true and then everything felt so you know uncertain for Ruth and all of a sudden there she was protected and you're like the heck like if he could do it then when you know people were eating sticks and riding camels like he he can do it now he's the same God with the same love with the same protection and he you know he loves his people all the same I think God as a father to me is like the biggest role he plays God's you know huge and he's got a lot of roles and He's a protector and he's a judge and he's, you know, all these other things. But to me, God as a father is the one that I turn to when I'm sad or when I'm excited or anything that happens. So I didn't have a father in my own life. And so sometimes I would look at other people and other families and be like, oh, I can't have that. But the God that I turn to and the God that I know is the God who is, you know, really happy when I win a soccer game and is so, you know, sad for me when you know something awful happens in life and that same God who moves through this like tricky landscape of living with me is such is the greatest example of a father in like the history of the world and so having the ultimate example of a father as my one man to turn to was always like it's just so important for me because the shortcomings of people in this life are like always going to be there, but it doesn't matter at all because I've got this incredible person and this incredible Lord to turn to, and at times where I'm like frothing and in times where I'm sad, and so there's no point in me feeling like you know, upset or worried or you know, in danger of anything because I have this incredible God who's like always there. So I was confirmed back in March of this year, I think, um, and it was I was really excited for it, like insanely excited, been a long time coming. Um, and I was baptised when I was little, when I was like two, and you don't really get a say in that, like I was still eating crayons at that point and, you know, then you get to this, you've been through this, well not a whole life, but you've been through all these things that have happened and trials and tribulations and amazing things and Coming out the other side of a lot of this stuff, it's always been God who's been like this rock for me. He's been this like steady point. And it was just like time for me. And that's why I was excited because I could show how good God is by, you know, confirming my faith in Him, by really showing I believe in Him um, to all the people that I love at church. Like it's a real family and it's a real community. And they're the people who have brought me up and been a witness of God's amazingness as well. it was really like, important for me and really exciting for me to get up in front of my family, my heavenly family, my earthly family, to say, like, God did it, we did it, like, we're here, yay. Like, that was sick.
4: Father's Day. And as you can see, uh, today's reading is from Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verses 8 to 19, and be found on page 1212. And uh, being Father's Day, uh, those that are reading, we're asked to give an opportunity to share something with you about memory of your father. So, (sighs) you'll see a photo of uh, myself and my father on a very memorable day. On the 20th of May 1974 when I started uh, following his footsteps uh, and joined the police and uh, this is the first uh, Father's Day uh, that I haven't had him to speak to but uh, yeah I know he's gone to glory so I'm very glad he passed away on the last day of last year and uh, yeah anyway that's just a memory and hopefully you're all turned Hebrews and we'll move on. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for, the country, for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have the opportunity, they would have the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead and so in a manner of speaking he did receive isaac back from death the word of the lord
5: well good morning everyone good to be with you on father's day Uh, one of the things i already appreciate about my dad was uh, his work ethic he taught me how to work hard he also had a quick wit and he taught me how to be (laughs) Quick and think on on my feet, which I really appreciate. Hey, folks, let's pray and then we'll get underway. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for our earthly fathers as we've already prayed, but we thank you moreover for you as our Heavenly Father. And we pray that you would give us ears to attend to your words to us this morning, that we might increasingly take on the form of uh, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please uh, keep Hebrews 11 open. We'll refer to it at the back end of our time together. are talking about grace it's the name of a girl it's also a thought that changed the world grace she takes the blame she covers the shame she removes the stain grace makes beauty out of ugly things now they're the lyrics from a fairly unknown song called grace by a fairly irrelevant band called U2 which once was the biggest musical band in the world but just listen to them again grace the name of a girl it's also a thought that changed the world grace makes beauty out of ugly things but grace is also that short prayer we pray before dinner it's the way a ballerina dances it's the way a kind man speaks so what is grace exactly because it sounds like it's a whole lot of things maybe just about everything well in the christian faith grace primarily refers to the way that god treats us it relates to his unmerited goodness towards undeserving people it's his kindness towards us that we don't earn we don't deserve we have no entitlement to it we receive it as a gift with gratitude in our hearts at least we ought to now, there is something that theologians common, call common grace, which God gives to all people, like life itself. Uh, that's a grace of God that he gives to every human being, regardless of Christian faith or otherwise. Now, Jesus reminds us that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. He gives life and son and rain and friendship and love and marriage and family as a common grace to all believers and unbelievers alike but of course in the life death and resurrection and return of Jesus there's a real edge to his grace because it not only refers to his goodness in creating humanity and sustaining our existence it now refers specifically to his kindness in Christ In living among us perfectly, in dying for us sacrificially, and rising again before us triumphantly, so that we can look forward to Him taking us to be with Him in a glorious eternity when He returns. Some say that grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. Well, it doesn't, but I really dig that sentiment. Well, for the rest of this term, as Bruce said, we're we're going to look at people in the Bible who are transformed by the grace of God. Some of them are in the New Testament, like Timothy and Mary Magdalene, people that have beautiful stories that resound deeply of God's riches at Christ's expense. Some of them are in the Old Testament, like Rahab and Hezekiah, before the time of Christ. And you wouldn't say their stories are dripping with Jesus. He hadn't yet come. But if you listen carefully, you can hear kind of a theme tune that is playing which foreshadows a melody that only gets louder and louder as Jesus enters human history in a barn in Bethlehem. But today we start almost at the beginning of the Bible with Abraham and his story of grace. Father Abraham, fitting for Father's Day isn't it? In my uh, previous job as a youth minister we took our young people away about a half dozen times a year, maybe more. Basically, every holidays, we took some of them away somewhere. And I can't say that I loved camps. Massive organisational effort and big responsibility and all that. But I I loved what Time Away did in the lives of our young people and for our youth group. And for me, the best part was at the end of each day when we'd gather around a campfire and sing some songs, and then a leader would give a short talk or reflection And we'd often get the kids to share things that they'd been learning that day. Uh, And then we'd pray together. And hearing them share and pray and sing with joy was the best bit. It's great. Except we used to sing this song called Father Abraham Had Many Sons. Do you know that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. No problems. But then... You start waving your right, right arm and you do it all again. Father Abraham and many sons, many sons. And then you sang it again, waving your left arm and your right arm. Father Abraham and many sons, many sons. And then you had to start waving your right leg like this while doing the other ones, many sons. And then you had to do your right and your left leg. And then you have to do it waving, not just both arms, and both kicking out both legs, but then nodding your head like a complete lunatic. And I just thought, man, people have got enough reasons to think Christians are weird. You know, we don't need to invent any more so i thought it was a silly song i also thought it was silly because you could legitimately sing it as a muslim couldn't you or a, or a jewish person or a christian but on reflection i think it was a dumb big dumb song because the story of abraham's life was not really the story of a man with many sons is it, it was mainly a story of a man with no sons and then with one dubiously produced and then finishing with another who nearly died you kind of think the, the song Father Abraham had many sons bears little relationship to the story of Abraham's life. So if Abraham didn't have many sons, my question for us this morning is, how was he transformed by grace? Well, let's trace that through his story briefly in Genesis 12 to 24. You read first of Abraham's family tree in Genesis 11, but the story of Abraham starts in Genesis 12 when God appeared to this 75-year-old man who worship other gods beyond the Euphrates River, and famously said to him, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Very famous words. But that's the grace of God in full view, isn't it? There's absolutely no way in which this pagan, childless, old champ called Abraham had any entitlement to new lands, or becoming a great nation with a great name, with the blessing of God, or even the promise of being a channel of blessing for all peoples, for every other nation on earth, which we as Christians believe is ultimately fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, the Saviour of the world, who could trace his human lineage back to Abraham. Now, this is grace, God's unmerited goodness towards undeserving people. And it must have been transformative because we read in the very next verse, verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there man would you do that would you leave everything you've ever known without knowing where you were really going i don't think so but abraham did so it seems like things are off to a good start but it's only a start isn't it Because in the same chapter, only six verses later, we discover there's a famine in that land of promise. And Abraham travels south to Egypt to survive. And what does this great man of faith do down there? He pimps his wife out to the Pharaoh of the day. He was scared that if they found out Sarah was his wife, they would kill him. So he pretended to be her brother and Pharaoh took her as his wife. And it was only after God inflicted a serious disease upon Pharaoh and his household after he was with Sarah that Pharaoh let Sarah go and sent Abraham on his way. That's what the great man of faith does, hey? In the next few chapters, Abraham shows degrees of righteousness. He parts way with his nephew Lot and lets Lot take possession of the more fertile lands. And, and then when Lot got carted away by some local warlords, Abraham mustered his fighting men to rescue Lot, so some bright moments but by the time we get to Genesis 15 Abraham laments before God that he still has no sons and that his legacy would be left to a servant called Eliezer of Damascus and you might remember God took like a father God took him outside and said in Genesis chapter 15 verse 4 this man will not be your heir Abram but a son who is your own flesh and blood Will be your heir, look up and count the stars if indeed you can, so shall your offspring be. And once again, that promise of God appears to have been transformative because the next verse includes words that have been picked up by our New Testament as archetypal of Christian faith, in other words, what a pattern of what God wants from us all. Genesis 15, verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed. He trusted the promises of God. The book of Romans says, Against all hope, Abram in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And if you know the story back in Genesis 15, God then instructed Abraham to, to get some animals and to cut them in half and to arrange the halves opposite each other. And then God passed between the pieces, viscerally communicating to Abram that he would keep his promises or else would suffer the same fate as these animals whose carcasses he'd passed between. As if you could even imagine that happening to God. So you've got a promise. And then you got a promise reiterated upon an oath in which God pledged himself to the point of death if he did not fulfill it. Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. But as the years passed and there were no sons or daughters, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands. If God wasn't going to get things moving, I guess they would have to. And so Sarah gave her maid Hagar to Abraham to sleep with. She bore him a son. And you think problem solved? Well, not quite. As Hagar and her son, Abraham's son, fled away. Because Sarah so badly mistreated them in her jealousy. So Father Abraham had no sons. And then he had one son. And then he had none again. For this man of faith, it's a real topsy-turvy tale, isn't it? At each point he fails, we empathise with his frailty, and yet we sense that it doesn't quite get him off the hook. Well, the chapters unfold in Genesis 17. God once again reiterates his promises to Abraham, who is now nearing 100 years of age, even instructing Abraham to call this long-awaited and yet not-arrived son Isaac. And again, Abraham shows moments of greatness. You know, he pleads boldly before God to spare Sodom. And then moments of weakness where once again he pimps out his wife to another king called Abimelech. And then finally, a son is born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. And this son is very young still when God requires Abraham to take him up to a mountain where he would be sacrificed. And I just reckon you can imagine, can't you, the blood draining from Abraham's face at such a request how could God require this here's the fulfillment to your promise Lord for which I have waited so long he's the only way those grand promises you made so long ago great nation blessing to the world all that can be fulfilled how can you possibly ask this God you can imagine a, a winded and despairing Abraham pleading with God as he once pleaded the city of Sodom or perhaps you can imagine the dread with which he took each step up the mountain on which Isaac would be sacrificed or maybe how he felt when Isaac said what about the lamb for the sacrifice dad to which Abraham replied with such deep irony God himself will provide it or that moment when he raised the knife to strike his bound son Only to hear the angel of God cry out, do not lay a hand on the boy. And instead to see that struggling ram caught in the nearby thicket, perfect for a burnt offering. Indeed, God himself had provided not just a ram for a sacrifice, not just a long-awaited son, but via a very long and winding circuitous route, a hope of salvation for all people. A way for people to be friends again with the God who made them, but from whom they nevertheless turn away. You know, when we think of Abraham, we think of him as the great man of faith and our New Testaments push us in that direction to a large extent, describing him as the father of us all with faith. Well, that's fair enough, isn't it? He left his home and set out for an unknown land. He waited decades for his son only to surrender him up to death. But I just reckon when you look at his life, the larger theme is the faithfulness of his father God. That is the grace of God expressed in patient faithfulness to his own promises to Abraham when Abraham's faith wobbled and resolved. The story of Abraham is a story about a man who exhibited great faith. He is our forefather in faith, but ask yourself the question, who is the hero of this story really? When Abraham takes things into his own hands, they go pear-shaped and quickly. But when he simply trusts in the gracious promises of God, God never lets him down. Though that does not make for an easy life. So it's a great story of an old man transformed by the faithfulness of God to his promises and purposes and people. But how can we, Father Abraham's sons and daughters, be similarly transformed by that story of grace well hebrews 11 which you've got open in front of you and which we read earlier might hold some clues hebrews 11 considers abraham's life and thinks about him leaving his country of ur at the command of god and his trust that god would provide him with a son even when he was required to offer his son as a sacrifice And those two parts of the story provide helpful application for us. Because the way Abraham looked at the world can change the way that we look at the world. I mean, when you look at where you live, where we live here, do you see it as your slice of heaven? Whether you've achieved it yet or you're still toiling to get there. Or are you looking forward to a better place I mean, how could Abraham really leave the only land he'd known? Well, have a look at verse 10. Because he was looking forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. Or verse 16, he was longing for a better country, a distant heavenly one, which God prepared for him. You know, verse 13 says, Abraham and Sarah and their offspring, admitted they were strangers and foreigners on earth I wonder if we can do the same we labor so hard for our place in the sun don't we our piece of the beaches and if if that dream becomes impossible probably have to move to another place that's cheaper but it's as close in nature <laughs> to manly as we can find and it's not that that's wrong But man, it can be dangerous for our souls when we invest so much in this city and in this land. We're thoroughly unlike foreigners and strangers on earth. We're inhabitants, we're titled landholders. And it's so hard not to trust this ground we rent or have bought and truly believe that God has prepared a heavenly city for us and that it's better. I mean, how can it possibly be better? Can I believe that in God's grace, he has something better in store for me? Abraham's story can powerfully impact our emotions and our attachments. And friends, I would encourage you to let the beauty of this place, which is undeniable, to operate as a teaser for the wonder of the distant heavenly city that awaits, rather than the chief goal or end of your life. When you swim or surf or snorkel here, or fish, or run, or cycle, or walk hereabouts, or you just watch a sunrise, to not think, wow, I have made it. This is the best. But to think, my goodness, how good will eternity with God in heaven be if this is just the teaser, if this is the trailer? Wouldn't I be a fool? Wouldn't I be the greatest of fools to trade anything for that promise of eternal life with Jesus in splendor. And that's why I think being generous is um, one of our godly habits. It's just so good for us. Now, I'm not interested in your money, that's what the senior minister's got to worry about. But I am is- interested in what kingdom generosity does for our souls because. I think it expresses a trust in God's goodness and his promises, as well as a lighter grasp upon this world and all its promises. Because every time you give money away, you're willingly crimping, you're you're limiting some of your potential enjoyment on earth because you're looking beyond immediate circumstances forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. And you are saying by thinning out your wallet that you trust in his grace in promising that and his faithfulness in fulfilling the promise he has made to take you to be with him in eternal wonder. That's why giving is good. It's the same with our time, isn't it? I mean, why would you serve? Every time you serve, don't you know you're willingly crimping, you're limiting some of your potential enjoyment on earth? You do it not only because you've been so served by Jesus in his life, death and resurrection. You do it not just because you love people. You do it because you don't need to suck all the marrow out of this life alone. Carpe diem and all that rubbish. You're looking beyond immediate circumstances, aren't you? To a heavenly land where you will bask forevermore in glowing fellowship with God. So you serve others. And you serve God, and at the same time, it actually transforms you. That's why you serve. Now, I'm going to say to the parents and would-be parents of our church throughout the day, it's even like that for our children. So you might like to think of that as a grandparent, or you might like to just pray for the parents of our church. But I want to say to the dads um, across the day, what do we most hope for our children? that they can make the best of this world? You know, that they can seize a slice of paradise for themselves? Is that what our program of parenting is really organized around? Or do we hope as the fathers in our church that our children might first seek the, uh, the kingdom of God and grasp lightly to this world as they breathe deeply of the promises of God that so surpass any promise this world makes. Now for fathers especially, I reckon this applies to grandfathers too, doesn't it? But really all parents, and indeed every Christian who longs to see each new generation follow Jesus with all their heart, there's no point in us wanting that for the children if we don't first want that for ourselves. And it's going to be easier for them to get there in their lives if they can see it in operation in our lives. So we want to make sure that your children, your grandchildren, just the kids in our church, see us seeking first the kingdom of God rather than grasping for our slice of earthly paradise as if that was the most important thing. To see us honour God and cherish His word, love His people prioritize his church and serve in the world as well as provide for them for which they should rightly be thankful fathers and mothers they have got to do that together grandfathers and grandmothers can be involved but actually we need to do this together as a church as a whole but everybody loses i think if the fathers in our church won't model a faithful and inspiring christian life so if you're a dad do it And if you're not, please pray for our dads. Father, Abraham looked forward to something better. He longed for a better country. And we need our fathers here to do the same. Well, as we think about Abraham's trust in God when it came to the provision of Isaac, he shows us that that we can trust God's faithfulness to uh, to his promises to the point where, in fact, you can build your life upon them which means you can obey him with confidence. It means it's foolish to take things into your own hands, believing that you can somehow know better than God. Romans 4 verse 21 says, Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I guess that's what Evan was saying when she was talking about the fatherhood of God. She actually believes he can be a father to her. Hebrews eleven eleven says that Sarah too considered God faithful who had made the promise. And when required to offer up Isaac, have a look at verse 17. It tells us, He who had embraced the promises, that's Abraham, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. How can he do that? Verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Now friends, you think about the situations you face Maybe there's a particular situation you're facing right now and the temptation to not trust God, to not believe His promises, to disobey Him and to take things into your own hands, to fix it. Deliberately disobeying God will never be the fix. Believing and obeying Him will be. Whatever that situation is in your life, especially the one that you're thinking of right now, will not leave you alone he will supply your daily needs he will take you to be with him in glory he has forgiven your sins he has taken the blame covered the shame removed the stain he does love us more than we would ever know and he is working within us right now to make us more like his son and so father Abraham is saying to us today that is all true it is all true you can build your life upon these promises you can even build your kids lives upon these promises you can reason that God is capable of doing as he said he would well that's grace isn't it the name of a girl a thought that changed the world But really a concept that's in operation in Abraham's life his is a story of grace God took this old pagan childless man and made him father Abraham with one eventual son called Jesus who is a blessing to every nation on earth you know friends we stand in Abraham's footsteps when we trust the promises of God and are transformed by God's faithfulness even when we ourselves are a pretty mixed offering When we look beyond our present circumstances not settling for things here maybe even sacrificing things here because we long for our heavenly home a better place and trusting that God is with us now and will welcome us into his everlasting and splendid arms and then friends if we trust like that we too will be a story of grace let's pray together heavenly father we know of abraham we know of him as the great man of faith and yet we see in his life it wobbled and resolved and really you're the hero of that story you're the one with faith and faithfulness well we ask that your faithfulness to your promises especially in the lord jesus might transform us too and that you would move within us to not settle for things here but to long for a better place that's built by you which we will enjoy with you forevermore and help us also to build our lives upon your promises rather than taking things into our own hands thinking that somehow we can fix it when your promises are the surest things on earth so move within us so that we too will be a story of grace we pray this in jesus name amen amen We're going to share in the Lord's Supper soon, friends, but right now we're going to sing our third hymn. So let's stand and sing.
0: wasn't it? Thank you to Mark and the team. We're now going to stop and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, If you haven't got one of these little communion packs, just please put your hand up and Chris will bring one round. If you're at home, uh, please do avail yourself of some juice and bread at this time. If you want to take off the lid to start with, there's uh, the clear plastic and then the foil underneath that. That would be great to do before we start. Well, let me commence. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we who come to share the Holy Communion of the body and blood of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, can come only because of his great love for us. For although we are completely undeserving of his love, yet in order to raise us from the darkness of death to everlasting life as God's sons and daughters, our Saviour Christ humbled himself to share our life and to die on the cross for us. And in remembrance of his death and as a pledge of his love, he has instituted this holy sacrament that we're now about to share. For those who were to eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord, we must examine ourselves and amend our lives. We must come with a penitent heart and steadfast faith, but above all, we must give thanks to God for his love towards us in Christ Jesus. And so to prepare our hearts, let's pray this prayer of confession that's on the screen together. Merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the the desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done, and we have done what we ought not to have done. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent, according to the promises declared to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that from now on, godly and obedient lives, to the glory of your holy name, amen. Let me read to you some words of assurance for those who turn to Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus you have been set free from the law of sin and death. Well, we thank you, our Heavenly Father, that in your love and mercy you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save us. And by his offering of himself once and for all time, Jesus made the perfect, complete sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, satisfying your just demands in full. And Jesus commanded us to remember his death until his coming again. And so hear us, merciful Father, and grant that we who eat and drink this bread and wine may remember his death and share his body and blood. For on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup after the meal, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins." Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take our piece of bread from the uh, pack and together let's eat and remember Christ's body was given for us. Let's take the cup and drink and remember Christ's blood was shed for our sins so we can be forgiven. Well, together, let's pray this prayer of thanksgiving. That's on the screen. Lord and heavenly Father, in your loving kindness, accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Grant that by the merits and death of your son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. With gratitude for all your mercies, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Well, that commences, uh, so not commences, that uh, concludes our service. So let me finish with the words of the blessing before we share some fellowship together over a cup of tea and coffee. May May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Please do come and join us for morning tea.